Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. By the name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. Amen. Um, I was going to start this morning. I had this, I had this last-minute idea late last night, and it just didn't work out. I wanted to play some of my favorite Christmas songs for you. Um, because I don't, I don't know if you're like me. Um, about December 15th is my marker about when I will start listening to Christmas music. Uh, my sister goes crazy at Christmas time. And I think this year, I think she was decorating before Halloween was. Yeah, I was like, you're, you need Jesus. You need prayer. Um, like she, we had this family group chat and she was sending pictures. And I was like, no, this is too, too soon. Um, but December 15th-ish, I'll start listening to Christmas music and get in like, you know, the Christmas carols. And, and my Christmas playlist is very different from Pastor Jen's. Pastor Jen has got on this, like, this, this, um, I don't even know what to call it. Hi, Millie. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's this, she was listening to the, the Prague Philharmonic Christmas carols. It's not awesome. It is torture driving around. I, I want to listen to like Jingle Bells by the Brian Setzer Orchestra and, you know, Paul McCartney singing Wonderful Christmas Time. And Jen wants to listen to these people singing classical. Anyways, very different. But there is, um, there is this one Christmas carol that I love. And I always, it'll come on in my playlist. And it's the song Still, Still, Still. Does anybody know that song? One person. Me and Nadia. Soph should know it. Let me read the words to you. It's, it's a beautiful song. Um, and the version that I like is by a band called Future of Forestry down from San Diego. And it's very, um, it's actually very orchestral. For all of my saying I don't like that music, this is very orchestral. Lots of strings. Uh, but here is the first um, verse in the song. It says, still, still, still. Let all the earth be still. For Mary in her arms enfolding, hope of, all the, uh, hope of all the world is holding. Still, 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 let all the earth be still. And I, no matter what I'm doing, no matter where I'm at, I'll, I could be listening, honestly. My playlist has like a lot of different Christmas songs in it. And it could go from, from, from Step Into Christmas uh, playing right into this song and instantly... Uh, my mind is transformed. My mind is turned towards Jesus in being still. And I find it really interesting that at Christmas time, um, Christmas time, when we are meant to have our eyes and hearts turned towards the Lord, we get so busy in all the doings of Christmas. Uh, in all the presents we have to buy, in all the food we need to get at the grocery store, in all the places we need to go, in all the fun festivities we need to experience. We have to, who's gone driving and looking at Christmas lights? I feel like every day we're driving and looking at new Christmas lights, just roaming around the city, and, and we want to go experience. And listen, all those things are good, and they're great, and you should enjoy them. But I find that it's just so ironic that in the middle of, of this season of the birth of Christ, where we are meant to look towards him, and all that his birth represents, we get so busy in everything else that we tend to forget it 
save for the moments when we come to church on Christmas Eve or something, right? And so today I want to talk to you, and this has been on my heart strong ever since probably the last month. I just want to talk about the Prince of Peace today. And I want to remind us, and as we look through some scriptures, we're going to go through a few scriptures together. And I want to go back to Isaiah 9, where we were at about two weeks ago. And we're going to read this, and then we're going to move into Luke's gospel and look in chapter 1 and chapter 2 a little bit. And as we do, I want you to remember two things. The first thing I want you to remember is that the Bible involves real people. It's, it's not a fiction story. They're not characters that somebody wrote a story about. These are real people that were living their lives just like you and me. And they lived a long time ago, so their life looked a little bit different, but they still dealt with the same things that you and I deal with. They still had cares. They still had worries. They still had to pay rent, I'm sure, somehow. And they still had to feed their donkeys and their camels. They they had to feed their family. They still had these same things. They were very real people. So as we read the word today together, remember that these things were spoken to and they were written about human beings. And the second thing I want you to pay attention to is I want you to pay attention to, as we work our way through this, how much peace is talked about in these scriptures we look at. Will you do that with me? Will will you promise that when we look at the scriptures together that you will continually remind yourself because it's an easy trap to fall into that this was written so long ago that these are just stories and these are characters in a book, but they're not. They're very real people that we need to remember that these were words spoken to to give them hope, to bring their future to pass, to bring them peace, to bring them wholeness. And so go with me to Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7, and then we're going to go to verse, we're going to go to Luke chapter 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today, and it says this. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Verse 2 says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Now remember, these are people right now that this is being spoken to. This is 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years, almost a 1,000 years. And these people were people that had been oppressed for many years. For, for centuries, they were oppressed in Egypt. They, they served God, and they would turn their back on God, and they'd be punished. They'd be captured. They were spread apart. They, they were torn apart from their family. And they were always looking towards the promise of this Messiah, a Savior, a Deliverer. And suddenly, here is this prophecy saying um, that, that you've been in a time of darkness, and those who live in darkness, you're going to see a great light one day. In this passage of Scripture, is spoken to these people who are living in darkness and it's giving them hope for the future so they don't have to live in despair they don't have to live in fear they don't have to be afraid that there is a hope for them and then it says in verse 6 it says for a child is born to us and a son is given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called this it says he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. I want to stop for just a second and look at these four names that are listed here. Most translations list the two, Wonderful Counselor, together as one name. 
Some translations you may read, it might say wonderful, comma, counselor, but most of them say wonderful counselor. Mighty God, this mighty God, the idea, I was reading a commentary one week, and the way that he said it in this commentary, when it was referring to mighty God, it was really talking about a hero, a savior. And the way that this commentary said it was this, it is a hero or a God that has taken all the evil and wickedness that the enemy could throw at it, it is still standing saying, what else do you have for me? So when it says mighty God, it's not just how we think mighty God, oh, a hero. It's one saying that I have taken everything that the enemy could possibly throw at me. I've taken it all and I'm still standing saying, what else do you have? It says everlasting father, a father that will never leave you ever. He will always be there. And then it says, the Prince of Peace. And I love this title. I've told you this. If you come to Hope City Church for any amount of time, you've probably heard me say this. The Prince of Peace. That means that his father is the King of Peace. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. If you, in your life, are not living in peace, you're living in the wrong kingdom. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you've made him your king, if you've made God your father, you have moved into his kingdom of peace. And you say, I don't have peace in my life. Then you have allowed yourself to live in the wrong kingdom because his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. He's the prince of peace. Let me tell you what this word peace means just so we're all on the same page. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, it's the, it's the word shalom. And it means welfare. He is the prince of welfare. He is the prince of health. He is the prince of prosperity. He is the prince of rest. And he is the prince of safety to you. Then it goes on, it says this in verse 7. His government and its peace. His government and its peace will never end. Can I hear an amen? So this is a prophecy foretold about Jesus 700 years before he shows up. And they're saying, this is the one who is coming. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep looking for this. So the children of Israel for 700 years are waiting on this promise to be fulfilled. Now go with me to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read in here a little bit. I know we have kids in here, and I will try and be as short as possible. I know we have apple cider to go drink, and I know we have gingerbread cookies to eat. But I still want to talk about Jesus for a few minutes. Luke's gospel, if you don't know this, Luke is the only gospel that is written by a non-Jew. Luke was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a child of Israel. And he was commissioned to write this letter. And so Luke was also, if you don't know this, this is an interesting fact. Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. And so he was very fastidious and studious in all of his writing. He made sure that all of his facts were verified and true. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 26 is where we're going to pick up at. And I want to read this portion of the story where the angel appears to Mary. It says this in verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is uh, Mary's cousin, and Elizabeth 
uh, was married to a man named Zachariah. And if you have not read the beginning of the chapter of Luke, it's a wonderful story. A man named Zachariah was married to his wife, Elizabeth. The Bible both says they were both very old. And he was a priest for the children of Israel, and he got to go in and uh, deliver the offering to the Lord. And as he was in the temple of God in the most high place, an angel of God showed up to him and began to speak to him, telling him that he was going to have a son, and that this son was going to do great things for the kingdom of God. And Zechariah says to the angel, I, sometimes when I read the Bible, sometimes I say to myself, these people were dumb. This guy is standing at the altar of the Lord, and an angel shows up and tells him what is going to happen in his life. And Zechariah says to the guy, how do I know this is going to happen? Bro, bro, (laughs) wrong thing to say. (laughs) And the guy says to him, I'm Gabriel, he says. I stand in the very presence of God. And then he says, you're not going to speak at all again until this baby is born. Let that be a lesson to some of us that when God speaks to you, sometimes the best thing you can do is just shut your mouth so you don't say the wrong thing. And so... Zechariah finishes up in the temple, and he comes out of the temple. Everybody's waiting for him. He comes out of the temple, and he can't talk. And so until, until this baby is born, Zechariah cannot talk. And some speculate that he may have been deaf as well because you read later on that they were motioning to him. Like if he could hear, they could, he could just hear his words. But the Bible says they motioned to him to try to help him understand what they were saying to him. And so some people think that he was both deaf and dumb. In, in both senses of the word. We know he was dumb on one hand for sure. So anyways, verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. This was a girl. She was like 15 years old. Okay, now put yourself in this place. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And he says to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. Jesus is really the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means Jehovah, his help. He says, he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Could you imagine an angel showing up and saying something like this to you? Put yourself in this position. She's a child, and an angel shows up and says, you're going to have a child, and this is who he's going to be. Essentially, he's going to be the savior of the world. Mary's response is, "Uh, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I don't understand how this is going to work. He says there in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Verse 37, I want somebody to hear this this morning. 
Verse 37, you need to hear this this morning. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're dealing with. One of the reasons that we celebrate this season is right here in verse 37 where it says, for nothing is impossible with God. We celebrate, we live in a kingdom of God where nothing is impossible. You serve a God that to whom nothing is impossible. Nothing is, is beyond his ability. Nothing is beyond his capacity. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is impossible to God. Mary responds, I always love this, looking at verse 38 compared to what Zachariah said to the angel. Mary's response is beautiful. Mary says this, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come to pass or come to be true. The Bible says the angel left her. Isn't that powerful? In my Bible, on the same page, moving through this story quickly, uh, Mary goes and sees her cousin. The baby inside, Elizabeth, jumps when Mary walks in the room. Verse 57 is when John the Baptist, Zechariah, and Elizabeth's child is born, who is John the Baptist. And in this process of being born, um, that's, when, that's when they said, you should name him, you should name him Zechariah after his dad. And, and Elizabeth says, no, we got to name him John because the angel said we had to name him John. And then the Bible says that they looked at Zechariah and they motioned to him to say, what do you want to name the kid? And uh, Zechariah says this, his name is John. And it's the first words he can speak. And then the next words that he speak is he begins, the Bible says that he is filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins to prophesy. And I want to read this prophecy to you. It says in verse 67, then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and, all, and from all who hate us. He's been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. God does not forget the promises that he has made to you. The covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Verse 76, he says this, and you, my little son, he's talking to his little, his little newborn baby John. He says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You, my little John, will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sin. Because God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to guide us to the path of peace. I just love, I love in this prophecy, I love this wording here in verse 78, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. It's about to break, the dawn is about to break upon us. How many times have you looked up at those mountains over there and watched the sun creep up over the crack at the very top of the mountain and you see that sun breaking upon you and you say, yes, here comes the dawn. 
This is, what, this is the prophecy right here. Zechariah is prophesying and he's saying the dawn is about to break upon us. No longer are we waiting in the darkness. No longer are we looking for the Messiah. The dawn is breaking. The Messiah is almost here. Get ready, people. And he says this. It says, he will guide us. He will guide us to the path of peace. The word peace in the Greek is the, is the word irene. And it means rest. It means quiet. It means the opposite of war and dissension. It means harmony and it means oneness. Jesus came to give us peace and to guide us to peace. His is the kingdom of peace. If you're not living in peace, you're in the wrong kingdom. You need to step over into his kingdom and his realm and his world and live in the peace that he came to give you. Amen? Amen. Chapter two, this is where we're gonna finish up at. And then we're gonna, I was gonna say we're gonna light some candles, but really we're gonna flip some switches on some candles. 2023. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth. This was about 130 kilometers away with no car. It was a long walk. I actually looked it up on Google Maps. Because why not? It would take you 24 hours to continuously walk 130 kilometers. That's if you're fine and capable if you are traveling with a pregnant wife, I imagine it would take you longer and be not as enjoyable. You, you, would, not, you would not say, oh, let's stop here. Let's, let's stop with this scenic outlook and look at the majesty of creation. You'd be wanting to get there as fast as possible. And so it would take them a while. He says, it took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. It says snugly. In strips of cloth. And laid him in a manger. Excuse me, ma'am. We're reading the word of God. How dare you? <laughs> Snugly, and <laughs> because there was no lodging available for them. I love this portion that comes up next. Because this portion, to me, is amazing. Well, let's just read it. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord, there is just angels popping up everywhere. <laughs> Appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But an angel reassured them. He said, don't be afraid. 
I bring you the good news that will bring joy to all people. You know, what I love here is the first people that found out after the baby was born outside of Mary and Joseph was some dirty, filthy shepherds in a field. The angels didn't go find high and mighty people. They didn't go find intelligent uh, schooled people. They just went to anybody. They went to common folk. The, 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 the gospel message is for everyone. It's not for the elite. It's not for the educated. It's not for the perfect. It's not for the shiny and new. It is for everyone. The angels show up in a field with smelly, dirty shepherds who would sleep on the ground with their sheep to protect them, covered in all kinds of grossness. The angels show up to those people and say, hey, I've got to tell you something. There is great news that you need to hear about and go see. It's great news for you and for me. And it goes on and it says, the Messiah, verse 11 says, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah. Savior means deliverer. And Messiah means the anointed one. The one who these people have been looking for. The salvation that they have been waiting for. The deliverer that they have been waiting for for so long has been born. I heard somebody say that you hear all the time about babies being born and becoming kings. But Jesus is the only king that you hear about coming down and being born a baby. And he comes down from heaven and he's born and says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. And I love this. You'll recognize him by, what sign are we going to, is he going to have a halo glowing around his head? Does he have baby angel wings? How are we going to know that it's Jesus? How are we going to know it's the Messiah? How are we going to know it's the anointed one? How are we going to, they say, you're going to know it's him by this sign. You know what the sign is? you'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. That's your sign. Go find the baby in a manger wrapped up. Here is your savior. Here is your deliverer. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying this. Listen, this is, this is great right here all by itself. It was a common tradition. I'm almost done. Sorry, guys. I'm almost done. It was a common tradition in this day and age when a baby was being born that musicians would gather around. And if it was a male child, they would begin to play songs and celebrate. But because Jesus was born in a manger, they didn't have any musicians to show up and start banging cymbals and playing the drums and ripping up guitar solos. But what happens here is there is a choir in heaven that begin to sing and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So even though Mary and Joseph didn't have man's natural traditions, they had the host of heaven singing songs about Jesus. And it says, they began singing and praising God, saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The new King James says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. My last thought here for you this morning is this. Jesus came to bring peace to us. Zacharias' prophecy about Jesus was that he would lead us to the path of peace. 
This right here, the angels are singing and saying that there is peace on earth. Peace on earth can only come first and foremost when there is peace between us and God. And Jesus came to make that peace for you and me. And this, we celebrate, we don't celebrate a baby being born. Because that's not what Christmas is about. It's not just about, about Jesus coming and being born. What this is about is the beginning of God's plan to create peace between us and him. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the kingdom of peace that is being established through the birth of a child. The kingdom of peace that you and I were destined and called and for God desires us to live in so that we don't have to live in dis-ease and we don't have to live in in hurt and, and wounds and sadness and darkness that when we move into the kingdom of God, we live in his kingdom of peace. That's what we celebrate. God beginning his master plan of peace for all of us. Amen? Stand up with me. Worship team, I'm going to ask you to come on up now. And I'm going to have our ushers come pass out our candles. As they pass these candles out. Dave's got candles on this side over here. I'm going to pray for us this morning. And uh, you'll obviously have to keep your eyes open so you don't get bonked with a bucket of candles. But I want you to engage your heart and your spirit as I pray. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for what we call Christmas. But for you was the beginning of your ultimate plan of restoration and establishing your rule and reign as the King of Peace and your son, the Prince of Peace. Father, I ask this morning that as we continue through this season, that you help us to fix our eyes and our hearts on you in everything else we experience and everything else we go through in all the festivities and all the joy Father, I ask you to help us keep our eyes fixed on you. And remember that you truly are the reason for this season. Father, help us to be grateful and thankful for the work that we celebrate this weekend. Jesus, you are the light of the world. The darkness could not comprehend the light. The light always overpowers the darkness. Jesus, we love you so much. Continue to speak. Continue to move. Continue to rule and reign in peace. And move us into your kingdom of peace as well. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. Does everybody have their candles? Let's go ahead and light our candles. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. 
If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.